Hello, um, my name is John Bradbury. I'm from the People Experience Practice here at the EMA, and I'd like to welcome you to another EMA cast. Um, in this series of EMA casts, we're looking at some of the trends that are happening in people experience. We're looking at some of the new thinking and what organisations are doing uh, to, you know, to meet the challenges that we have in 2023 here in New Zealand. And well, one of the challenges that comes up a lot and one of the subjects that um, obviously people come back to is, is around compensation benefits, remuneration, basically in terms of pay in organisations. So what's the best thing for an organisation to do in, in the current very challenging economic climate? And um, I was talking to Cathy Hendry, who's um, the Managing Director of Strategic Pay, our partner. And I said, I'd really like to get somebody to come on one of our podcasts to talk about what's happening, who's really got some good up-to-date information um, and who has a kind of really good long-term view of what's been happening in, in New Zealand with pay and remuneration. Uh, and she said to me, you need to talk to Natasha Stone, who's my, my manager of market information. And so, therefore, today I've got with me Natasha Stone. So, um, thank Hello. you for coming, Natasha. No worries. And um, I, I guess what would be really useful is is really to um, perhaps start off by just talking about what strategic pay does, and also um, what what market information means, what your role means within that. Sure. Yeah. Strategic pay is a funny little business. There's not many organisations in New Zealand that do what we do. Um, we saw that focus on remuneration, um, as you mentioned, um, which is a subset of the human resources function as a whole. Um, and so we really look at remuneration and rewards um, for businesses and their staff, how to um, pay their staff fairly, how to set up, you know, those kind of systems in place to make sure that you know, people are being rewarded in the best way um, for the organisation. And the department that I run is the um, market information. So we collect salary information from organisations and my wonderful team of analysts then, um, yeah, analyse and, you know, do all the, all they need to do. And then we, you know, we that then produces that market data that we can then provide to organisations of, you know, what do I want to pay my admin? What do I want to pay my, you know, and, and that sort of, you know, across all markets and sectors. And um, yeah, we've got some, you know, from the weird and wonderful jobs to your, your standard, standard roles. So, yeah. Fantastic. So a huge amount of data that you've gathered, gathered over the years about, about New Zealand yes. and employers and, and so forth. So um, that must put you in a good position to be able to advise people about where they want to sit in the market, what they want to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, when you think about how the New Zealand market's moved um, just in the past three years, you know, I think it's become more apparent than ever how important pay and salary is. You know, that's obviously becoming one of the key issues that a lot of organisations are, are having. And we have even seen it when it comes to the data. You know, if we go back to, we go back 20 years in terms of our information and you know, there's those blips that happened, the GFC back in 2008, but everything was pretty pretty smooth for a, quite a long time, you know, pretty steady movements. Um, you know, it's always interesting when things like CPI adjustments get mentioned now because for a good eight, nine years, um, CPI is very, very low. Um, and, you know, salaries were moving ahead of that. Um, and so it's sort of strange when CPI is high, all of a sudden everyone's sort of clamouring to want to use that as a metric, um, 
which usually isn't the best sometimes. And yeah, but then the last three years kind of tilted all our sort of trends and forecasts um, on their head, which, you know, so we sort of had to really pivot and start doing sort of three monthly pulse surveys because that's how fast the market was moving, um, which is, again, something we haven't seen in a really, really long time. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense to me in terms of sort of the pace of change, because that's a theme we come across in, in a lot of the sort of things we've been discussing in, in these series, like issues like sort of well-being, issues like diversity, issues like leadership, um, lots of sort of changes there. People have to adjust behaviour, pivot very, very, mm. very quickly, I kind of hear a lot. And um, you're saying that's true for, for pay as well. Yeah, absolutely. And one trend that we started seeing last year um, when we were running our series of pulse surveys was, you know, it wasn't, you know, just the the IT and engineering, those specialist technical roles, you know, those were sort of the ones that were getting a lot of notice, you know, in media that we can't find these people. Um, and one thing that we were starting to notice, though, that organisations were starting to say, actually, we're, we're finding it hard just to find admin roles. We're actually finding it hard to find, click, like, just anything. Um, and so that sort of, reali we realised in the scope of that skills shortage, where it wasn't just technical stuff, it was everyone, everywhere. Um, and, you know, those organisations, you know, that had to sort of try and compete in a very competitive market, you know, I think of the not-for-profit se sector, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, people usually get into it for more sort of, altruistic reasons. Um, however, they still need to live, um, and especially with cost of living. Um, so they've definitely struggled when it comes to their pay and have had to be very strategic <laughs> about, you know, where their increases go um, and can't just do across the board sort of living cost increases. Right. Okay. So you just right at the end there, you yeah. talked about this thing about being strategic yes. about the pay, and <clears throat> I get why you would put that in <laughs> to this <laughs> conversation. But um, you talked about oh, not just across the board, but being kind of very specific about what they do. T tell me, tell me more about that. Yeah, I guess you know we've heard of some organisations that have just applied across the board seven percent increases. You know, that's sort of where mm. we're sitting in terms yeah. of pay at the moment, and. You know, what it does really, um, it sort of keeps, you know, if you, especially if you've got any kind of um, equity issues in terms of diversity or um, gender, that's just going to keep the problem in place. Um, you really need to target your increases. Um, so what we're seeing in a lot of places is really being targeted to the lower end. Um, we're also, yeah, we're also seeing obviously effects of the pay restraint that's been happening in the public sector and central government, um, which is really interesting. You know, local government increases are huge um, and they've sort of been implementing really across the board increases, um, whereas central government's been targeting the increases because of the, the restraint that they've had for people on, on six-figure salaries not being able to get pay increases. Um, so we're definitely seeing a little bit of a shift there. Um, in terms of the pay in the public sector. You know, one side's very high, one side's very moderate. Um, but yeah, sort of going back to being strategic about your increases, you know, you've got a limited budget at the end of the day. Um, you know, so you really need to think about, you know, the people that you want to retain, um, the skills that you want to retain. And yeah, like I said, keeping across the board just sort of, yeah, it doesn't really solve anything in the end. Um, 
Gotcha. And you mentioned about pay equity, and there's a you know that that's a really big big subject. Yeah. Um, so just tell us a little bit about about that and why it's important, and what sort of work you do with organisations around that. Yeah. So I'll probably just speak to the data side a little yes. bit um, of that one. Um, but we do have a whole, you know, we do a whole lot of work in the pay equity space and we do work closely with Mind the Gap, who mm. are out there um, getting organisations to really start, um, you know, putting out there publicly what their gap is. Um, but yeah, when it comes to the data, what we find, we find it quite interesting, particularly in sectors where you traditionally wouldn't see a lot of female employees such as um, ICT or engineering. I mean, you can see a real push in these areas to get female graduates on board. Um, and so over the past few years, we've actually seen the numbers of graduates and entry-level roles, um, you know, those numbers for um, female employees actually really going up. And the, the gap in pay is actually very similar. So they're obviously, you know, making those, those drives to, you know, bringing everyone on and... Um, not having a bias in favour of male employees. Although what we do find is that within two or three years, the number of female employees is dropping off. Um, so, you know, they're, they're coming in at the graduate level, but they're not staying um, in these industries. So it's definitely, um, you know, obviously that's a wider conversation <laughs> about what, what's happening there. Um, and, but, you know, it could just be we, we're at the start of that pay equity journey and, you know, they're bringing people in at the bottom and hopefully we'll start seeing that flow through to the more senior levels in years to come. Um, but, yeah, at the moment we definitely see when it comes to pay, at the lower end it's very equal. And, but, you know, once you start going up this, the staff levels, it becomes very, very unequal in terms of not only the population of, you know, the ratio of, of male to female in these senior executive roles, but also the pay. Yeah, okay. That's a, that's a really good sort of, sort of bit of insight around it. I like that it comes back to the to the data that's yeah. there and the the story being well. What does this tell us, and what what can we therefore therefore do about mm. it? Um, so that's that's really sort of helpful to see. In in these pulse surveys that that you're running, can you give us a flavour of you know, right at the moment, what is, what's your latest sort of data saying? What are you finding there? Yeah, so we're still following the trajectory of just very quick paced increases and in reforecasting taking place. Right. Um, you know, the forecasting and setting your salary increase budget was something that was traditionally done by organisations sort of once a year. They do the salary review process and the performance reviews and, you know, do their, do their normal thing. Um, but now we're finding, you know, because how fast the market's moving um, and just how fast turnover is. Um, so that's what organisations really are responding to. Um, one of our October Pulse surveys from from 2022 um, showed that 56% of organisations um, had saw an increase in turnover in the past six months, which was, you know, a lot. And if we're actually looking at turnover overall, it's at historical highs. You know, employees are leaving, you know, and some of it's from that, that COVID hangover of people reprioritising, you know, what they want and, and that kind of thing. Um, and also, you know, they're chasing better money because it is out there now. Um, although we are starting to hear things like the market's moving, the recession's mm. coming. Um, but in terms of the data at the moment, they're still out there paying very high salaries and very high increases um, in terms of, 
yeah, the reforecasting alone, people have gone, well, we're going to give 5% and now it's 7%. So they've had to really adjust right. just that. And as we're heading towards, towards recession, these businesses are putting more cost into their business yes. in terms of these salary increases. That, that's quite a worrying trend, I think. A little bit, you know, and it could be... You know, it is interesting, you know, when COVID happened and it was, you know, that March and no one knew what was happening and it was locked down and a little bit scary. Um, a lot of businesses, um, and same with strategic pay, everything just went sort of, well, like people just stopped because they weren't sure of what was going on. My department didn't, <laughs> um, <laughs> interestingly. Um, and back then we saw a lot of restructuring, a lot of we can't afford these people anymore. Um, so, I, you know... There is that aspect of, you know, there's been this hiring frenzy, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, these organisations, if things take a turn, might not, you know, have a rethink about the structure of their business and their employees. So, yeah, it could, it could potentially be a little bit scary for employees um, going into a recession. Yeah, and I mean, one of the other things that I find a little bit scary, I saw some data from a report by Elmo, which, which you may have mm. seen too, which, which talks about... Um, the fact that lots of organisations, um, I can't remember the percentage, you, you may well, around how many of them um, are thinking about, they're actually trying to grow in terms of the number of jobs that they have. And if an organisation is looking to grow in yeah. terms of the number of jobs, we're in a talent short market where they're putting salaries up. Mm. This, this sounds like there's going to be a bit of a, well, I hate to say it, there's going to be some sort of crash. It's going to be a bit messy possibly at some point. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I guess it sort of comes back to as well, making sure that your increases are going to the right place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of the right place being like the right people targeting them. Um, what, you know, in terms of um, the work you do, I mean, clearly there's the, the element of, of salary, the cash, the coin that, mm. that people get. I mean, what, what else are you seeing organisations doing to, you know, ensure that they're giving value to, to their uh, employees and sort of meeting the market in some way to help ensure that the people they want are uh, retained in their organisation and attracted to it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Wellbeing initiatives have just exploded over right. the past two or three years. Um, in terms of organisations offering it at a minimum. And there is that, that conversation out there of, um, you know, work from home and that kind of flexibility in term, and start and finish times is kind of expected from employees now um, in terms of rather it used to be this special perk yep. that, that you could have. Now it's sort of considered to be part and parcel of, of your job, which as an employee I love. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> love flexibility. Um, and... Yeah, sorry, I forgot my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were very much talking about some of these other initiatives. Oh, yeah, the well-being. Yeah. Sorry, got a bit sidetracked. Uh, yes, the, yeah, so these well-being initiatives, we've just seen this massive uptick in what organisations are offering. And, you know, when you're a small organisation, money, you don't have a massive budget. You do have to look for those values that are non-financial in terms of yeah, your, your flexibility, your work from home, your work environment. Um, we're also seeing, you know, one of the things that we were sort of guiding organisations to, to do during a skills shortage was rather than increase that base salary for someone coming on board and creating those, those relativity issues, you know, if someone's coming on being paid 10K more than 
you know, the people currently doing the job, that's, you know, that's going to cause problems in terms of relativities and, you know, do you bring those other people up as well or do you just hope everyone keeps their mouth shut about their salary and they can get away with it? Um, so instead of doing that, it was to provide sort of one-off bonuses, sign-on bonuses and one-off sort of money, you know, variable pay aspects to sort of bring them on board um, so that it didn't cause, you know, sort of problems to the salary um, going forward for, for everyone. Um, and over the past year, we're actually seeing a lot more of an incidence of variable pay. Um, so bonuses are coming back and they're coming back big. Um, so COVID wiped them out. Um, and so, you know, bonus payments, you know, for big executives were always ridiculous and huge. Um, but they were pretty moderate for most, most organisations. But COVID... You know, no one was getting bonuses. You know, people were kind of lucky to keep their jobs in some instances. Um, and then, you know, that quick pivot turnaround to skill shortages and, and massive increases and trying to do whatever you could to get people on board. Um, we're now seeing that flow through into our data of huge variable pay um, in people's, um, people's pay packet. You know, um, we've recently been looking at data in the investment sector and... Whew, you know, <laughs> you know the variable pay aspect in some cases is twice what they're getting as a base. It's nuts. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, I take it from that, Corby, you're not impressed with that that approach. <laughs> um, so, what 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 could they be doing that's that's better than that in terms of not putting in, uh, you know, unequal pay for the same job and getting the problems that come up there. Um, not kind of giving everyone huge rises that just creates extra costs in the business going forward. How could they really well use these sort of variable parts of pay um, to, to be effective? What's, what sort of things have, have organisations done? And um, maybe also in terms of that part where you talk about bonuses, to, to what extent are they linked to actual performance? Yeah, um, that is really interesting when it comes to the bonus and performance. Um, you know, there are there is a thought that that's what it should solely be linked to, um, you know, but there's always there's always aspects of that variable pay, you know, if the company does well and then you do well, you know, there's certain gates that need to open yeah. and, then you, then you, and then you can get your variable pay. Um, one aspect of variable pay that I do find quite interesting and um, we've reported about it in our pay equity booklet was that, again, that's where we see a massive gap yeah, <laughs> um, in terms of, yeah, with gender, um, gender pay. Um, you know, the bias is definitely in favour of male employees when it comes to any kind of variable pay, um, or even benefits to a certain extent. So, yeah, it sort of gets a little bit iffy there. Um, and from what other organisations have been doing around their pay, it really comes down to their policy. Um, and that's always important. You know, it's one piece of advice that I definitely... You know, for an organisation, like, firstly, have a policy <laughs> and be stick to it, you know. And for some organisations, you know, they're really trying to drive their diversity and um, objectives. That's part of their strategic plan for the year. So that's where they're focusing, you know, that's where their intake, that's where the increases are happening because that's what's important to them as an organisation. Um, if you are looking to grow as an organisation, that's where you put your, you know, that's where you're putting your your resources, because that's where you see the most bang for buck potentially coming your way. So you say, there you sound like, well, what you're saying is, um, 
in, in, in looking at pay, really important to have a policy, have a view yeah. on what you're trying to do and link it to your wider strategic objectives, be they diversity objectives or pure business mm. uh, output objectives, that, that being important. Um, you know, I, I talk to a lot of HR managers in, in businesses and um, I, I hear things and um, you know, there's there's various anecdotes that that I sort of pick up along the way, and I'm sure you do. I, 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 you know, sort of things I hear. I hear some quite interesting things. I hear things like people say, "Oh, you know, I um, I, I had to, I had somebody um, been working for the business for years, good worker. They got offered a, offered yeah. a, offered a new job, and the new job uh, was paying fifteen percent more. And uh, they said, well, what, so what What they did was they said, well, what I, what I did was I, I then matched that. I said, if you stay, I'll pay you 15% more. And what happened in the particular scenario, I was thinking of the, the employee actually still left and mm. went to the new role. You, do you come across things? Is that a common scenario? And is that a common outcome? Really? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, one of our, um, our policy surveys, we asked, you know, we asked employers if, you know, if they knew the reason why an employee was leaving, what was the reason? And the biggest cited was pay. Yeah. Um, and sometimes when it comes to, you know, someone's been offered another salary and your organisation decides to match it, it does come to a little bit too late sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if someone's got into that, an employee's got into that point where they're actively searching, it's a little bit sort of like, well, why didn't you think I was worth that? previously. Um, there's also a trap that we have been seeing some HR people fall into though is a lot of that hearsay flowing around. Yeah. Um, and I remember having a meeting with some um, one of the, the people HR people at a at a big engineering firm. And you know, they were just sort of losing people but they were also getting a lot of like, well, my friend has been offered this at your competitor, you know, yep. I want this. Um, and so they were, you know, they didn't want to lose people, so they were sort of jumping in and, and paying these increases. And, you know, the ladies even said to me at one point, I wonder if we're just doing a self-fulfilling prophecy here, like, because we don't actually know if that's the case. And now we're the ones making the market crazy <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, based on this sort of anecdotal <laughs> evidence. Um, yeah, so I definitely thought that was like, you probably are. Um, but, you know, when it comes to salary data, um, it's quite hard to have sort of a live database going. So there's always a lag effect. So you can definitely understand why organisations would want to jump very quickly. It's where our pulse surveys sort of came in. So in between when the salary information was published, you know, we sort of had these pulse surveys saying things have moved a little bit, you know, yeah. have a look. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a bit of a sort of um, getting a sort of finger in the wind to yes. kind of go, right, wait, what's, where's the sentiment at the moment? Yeah. Uh, that sort of thing. So, okay. I, I just want to put another scenario to sure. you because these, these have been on my mind for, for a while. Um, you know, I, I, I heard stuff, particularly in the IT sector, about people being offered quite, quite ridiculous amounts of money more, more to move. And you kind of go, okay, all right, kind of understand that, understand that. What I'd also heard is at almost the other end of the market, um, entry-level roles um, or, you know, very uh, perhaps customer-facing roles in, in retail, for example, where people were moving uh, to competitors, perhaps, for what were in dollar terms quite small amounts of money 
Um, clearly more significant as a percentage of salary for for um, lower paid paid workers, but still an amount that somewhat surprised me. Um, I would have my understanding always was that people would kind of move related to pay it would tend to be something like ten uh, percent more or, or so, whereas these were people moving for, for very small amounts. Is 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 that something that's really going on? Do you think? Or? I mean, it could be. Uh, I think it's a little bit hard for me to say because our data is definitely couched um, by the huge minimum wage increases yeah, that have yeah. been happening. Yeah. So it's been a bit harder for us to see those um, more natural yeah. increases that would be happening without minimum wage. Um, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I mean, you talk about about minimum wage, and obviously EMA has been quite involved in that. You know, what what do you see in terms of of, of minimum wage and and the effects of that on the the survey data you have yeah. and and your data? I mean, yeah. Um, I think you know minimum wage increases are fantastic. You know, I think that you know they're going in the right direction, obviously for people. The what we've seen in the data is that um, in the public sector. A lot of uh, government and local government and central government organisations, we don't actually see a lot of minimum wage. Right. They've sort of all moved past that. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't actually see many roles sitting there, yeah. which is, you know, I find quite interesting. So at that level, um, the public sector sits above the private sector, which if you ever look at any graphs, that's not the case. You know, it's always private sitting above public in terms of salaries. Um, you know, because they've got a lot more, um, not more room to move with and obviously constraints that, that sit there in the public sector. Um, but yeah, at that level, the public sector sits higher. So if you are entry level, you're better to go to the public sector than the private sector, potentially. Um, we start to see a lot of compression, though. Um, so then as minimum wages going up, you start finding, you know, direct supervisors that were only ever on two or three dollars more right. and not getting the same increases. So you start seeing that compression to happen. Um, and, you know, very valid. You know, why would someone take on extra responsibilities for 40 cents more than, you know, the people they're supposed to be supervising? Well, that's what I was wondering in, t in terms of that, because this goes back to your kind of policy piece as well in yeah. that, um, you know, to take on extra responsibilities. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of people want to do that sort of thing for develop themselves yeah. and, uh, you know, have more authority or just advance their career. But on, on pure monetary terms, where where it's a very small differential, um, you know, I can see why people would not want to d develop and take on, on the higher roles. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, this, this kind of goes back to your piece, I feel, around, like, you know, what's your plan? What's your kind of strategy on that? So... For, for, for an HR manager in a business of, you know, 150, 200 people, what sort of things should they be taking into account when they, they're coming up to their plan? Yeah, I think when it's sort of, you know, if they're looking at their their policy, you know, one of the key things, I always found it funny, um, that, you know, we, we ask people, do you, do you provide increases according to performance? And majority of organisations say yes. And then we also ask, do you have a proper performance plan in place? But only half of them actually do. So I find it so interesting that they all tie it to performance, but not all of them actually have any kind of proper system in place when it comes to 
meriting that performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so one of the key aspects, um, that, you know, I can only really speak to the data um, in terms of advising people sometimes. <laughs> um, so one of the key aspects that it comes back to is obviously um, the three key things always come back down to affordability. That's, yeah. You can't give what you don't have. Um, you know, affordability, uh, performance, and then also market data. Right. Um, you know, I am biased. I yes. do think <laughs> market data is very important because um, otherwise you're just, it's guesswork. You yeah. don't really know. We're giving tangible information. Um, and, you know, and that's that's one piece of it. I'm not saying, you, you know, you get our data and be like, that's it, done, it's all fixed and no one's going to complain. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and then you can think about where you sit in the market. You know, are you a public sector or are you a small general market? Are you a, a small private sector? And you can set your policy to that um, depending on, you know, where you want your people to sit. Yeah. And that would vary according to your particular, perhaps, talent sets that, that you're looking yeah. for, that it wouldn't always be the same? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think of um, my company, for example, you know, I mentioned, you know, we're a strange little company um, because, you know, we've got consulting, but we've also got a very heavy IT and data analytics spent <laughs> as well. Um, so that's, you know, very technical specialist expertise um, for everyone. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you just sort of, you know, you have to sort of think about what your place in the market is and what you, who your competitors are. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things with our market data. You know, we, we have things split by industry. So you're seeing what your competitors are paying. Not directly, of course, but you can, they're part of that sample. Yeah, so you can see what... Um what's typically out, out there and decide where you want to sit in, ter in terms of that, whether you want to match the market, be yeah. ahead of the market yeah. and do other things. Yeah. Uh, so um, to, to go back to your pulse surveys that, mm. that, that, that you've mentioned, just uh, g give us a flavour of perhaps, um, you know, some of the most interesting pieces that you've, you've got from that at the moment or, you know, perhaps even th if there's anything that's come up that's really, really surprising you. trying to think of the stats. Yeah. I was looking at them yeah. this morning <laughs> in preparation. Yeah. I'm just thinking of the numbers. Um, I mean, as I mentioned before, it was just how quickly and how big the increases were yeah. happening. You know, if I sort of, if we go all the way back to the beginning here, um, we, we haven't seen these numbers in like 15 years right. in terms of increases. Like they're huge. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what that means going forward, um, and I think that's been the biggest thing from these pulse surveys of just how quickly people are like, yeah, we need to keep, need to keep paying more, we need to keep paying more, it's that pressure's still there. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was just, you know, when you look at a trend from, say, the GFC, you know, up until GFC and increases sat around 5%, um, GFC happened, global financial crisis, <laughs> sorry, <I> just, yes. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I keep using like insider terms, but yeah, global financial crisis happens, everything just you know, bottoms out. And yeah, salaries just went, you know, and then huge unemployment. Um, then the recovery from that was really slow, you know. We, and so for about eight years, it was sort of sort of, you know, 1%, 1.4, 2%, 2.3, you know, and we were sort of nearing 3%, which I, you know, I've been working in this for 10 years. So I was getting excited. I was like, oh, 3%. <laughs> um, and then COVID happened and it went back to zero. 
And at the time, we were like, oh, okay, well, if we look at this trend that <laughs> happened in 2008, what we're going to see is a yeah. slow recovery. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, you know, so it is quite hard sometimes, you know, you don't know what's happening. And obviously the global climate can have such an impact, as we've all seen. Because then what happened was within about six months of salaries going back to zero, they shot back to normal and then shot up and shot up. And yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And were, were those trends more pronounced in particular industries? You've talked about sort of lo- local government, mm. particularly just now. But, it, you know, uh, my perception has been that that's happened in I- IT. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, definitely in IT. Um, interestingly, we've seen HR roles actually get um, really big, big boosts. Um, in particular, um, HR business partners have become this hot commodity out of nowhere. Right. Um, we sort of started getting a lot of requests for it. I was like, huh, what's happening out there? Yeah, what do you think is happening? Why? why? I don't know, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, I should, should call someone up. And it's like, why? And, you know, and it wasn't even just HR business partners in the, in the main city centres. We were seeing it happen in New Plymouth and Palmerston North and, like, nut, crazy salaries being offered for these roles right, um, right. for people. I mean, that would start to sound like that's happening because there's a, a increased importance and maybe a shortage of, of people, mm. that's it. That would be my kind of working assumption. Yeah, assumption. yeah we can and, go yeah, with that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so um, I guess that, that would suggest people listening to this that are HR business partners, um, that, yeah, that might be something you're that... you're unhappy, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a hot commodity. Hot, 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 hot commodity and, and so forth. And, you know, obviously for us all, um, you know, whenever we're talking about anything to do with pay, with our kind of professional hat on and we're thinking around it and all the themes mm. and all the data and all that, we're also thinking about it. Oh, what about me? Yes. And, and so <laughs> forth. So, you know, for, for, for employees, what, what, what should employees know to kind of navigate this world of, you know, pay and rises here and concern for the future? What, what, what sort of advice can you give to, to them? <laughs> Oof. Um, find it a bit hard sometimes because, you know, we're business to business, so I'm yes. always sort of focused on, um, you know, because one of the things we actually would tell a business is, like, take the emotion out of your pay increases. It's non-emotional. Yeah. Um, and particularly if you use market data, you can make it very fact-based. And it's like, it's not me. If it were me, I would give you, <laughs> you know, I would give you yeah. more. But it's just this is the data. It's the market. Um, so for, for employees, you know, I think it's always the normal things of really, um, you know, at this stage with how the market is, and even, you know, even if there's talks of a recession or things slowing down, it's it's not really, you know, you know, we're still seeing people wanting, like you said, that growth. Um, Organisations are still experiencing very high turnover. There's still a real demand, you know, for roles. Um, so it's sort of really knowing your worth. Um, I find it a bit hard to explain, you know, say that though, because our data is only available for businesses and not to employees. Um, so I guess, you know, this would be advice to the business, you know, if you for your people. Um, having a bit of a transparency, you know, policy in place could actually be to your benefit. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you don't have to have everyone's salaries for everyone to see. But, you know, if you sort of say, here is our... our our policy, here is our bans, you're paid this much against the market. And just having that knowledge, um, I think, can definitely help an employee. So, 
Very good. No, I like the way you've you've answered that. I think that's very appropriate and very helpful advice for for business to kind of go, okay, so we want to take the emotion out of it. How do we best do that? We don't make it about you, me. We make it about here's the organisation. This is our policy. This is what we're trying to do. This is where you stand. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you use the word uh, transparency there. And one of the things I I see in the market around pay is – and this actually always surprised me when I first came to New Zealand um, was um, nobody said what the, what the rate for the, jo- the job was. <laughs> and this is totally different from what I was used to. And um, I've seen recently more of a tendency to organisations showing a range for, mm. for a job. I've heard... Uh, you know, uh, people talking about this transparency in that the importance, the importance of doing it. To, tell me, tell me more about how you see that fitting in the whole, you know, ecosystem of, of pay. Uh, yeah, um, it's interesting. Um, you know, I think if we go back five years, pay transparency, like you said, ugh, no one, it wasn't a thing. Mm. Um, but we could see some organisations really start to open it up, and it started first with the governance rules that were being put in place for. Um, excuse me, public sector organisations um, and their annual reports. And, you know, it used to be that they could be very vague about what they paid their senior executives and their leaders. Um, but then the, the governance rules for NZX came in and they were sort of like, no, you have to tell us what your CEO is being paid, what his salary is, what his KiwiSaver is. Um, and so then that started opening up the door for a lot more transparency. And I think um, there was also some guidance for... Um, local government, you know, p- people earning over six figures, you know, having a lot more um, transparency around that. And it sort of filtered down um, into organisations. And we started seeing some organisations really start to enact that as part of their policy is having transparency. Um, you know, and obviously that's a rating scale between no transparency and full transparency um, and trying to find a good middle ground. Um, you know, I'm for it to a certain degree. Obviously, yeah, it is... It is something that's very Kiwi, though, isn't it? We don't talk about salaries. We don't talk about our pay. It's considered a little bit, yeah, yeah, garish, you know, or something like that. Um, which, you know, is probably to an employee's detriment. You know, the more that we share about, you know, what you're getting, um, yeah. the more you can start sort of demanding more, I guess. Um, but, yeah, no, pay transparency is important. And it's not even pay. Um it was one of the um, one of the accounting firms that we were working with, and they were rattling off all these benefits that they have for their employees. Which impressive. Um, and then I was like, "Well, how many people are using and like taking you up?" And they're like, "Not many." And it turned out that they weren't really communicating, yep. <laughs> you know, what was available. And you know, because there's so much more to a salary package than just your base salary. That's you know what you're getting in hand. But then when you start adding those benefits, so if you get health insurance and eye insurance and, you know, a happiness allowance and a well-being thing and a fuel card, that makes up those benefits. And that's another 10 or 13 K in your salary package um, that you're not probably aware of. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. It goes to your EVP. It goes yes. to your brand. It goes yeah. to what you what you put out, out to market. I um I think you won't be surprised, given the story you just told about there, which uh, we were working with a, a, a member, and um, we we just had, we just put up their seek adverts. We looked at their seek adverts, and we looked at the adverts by their competitors, uh, other people in the industry, 
And I remember the HR manager looking at the adverts and saying, you know, we have a benefit that we offer that is better than any of the ones that are, that are mentioned on there. We don't put it in our, <laughs> our Seek advert. We don't tell anyone about it until they've joined. In fact, it's just covered in, in the induction material. Yeah. And it's like, I'm going to have to go away and, and change that. Mm. Um, so really wasn't leveraging something that was yeah, effective. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's not just even having it included here as part of that induction package and when they onboard, you know, because yes. as we all know, when we start a new job, it's just an information dump. Yeah, yeah, You know, yes. um, and you're trying to impress and get um, get your head around things really quickly. So it's, you know, it's also really important to keep touching base with that, you know, even if yeah. it's just around salary review time. Hey, you haven't used your happy <laughs> allowance or hey, you haven't, you know, did you know you still have access to this? Um, yeah, keep it, keeping that alive. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Look, I mean, we've covered, covered a lot of great yeah. ground here. We kind of looped back a couple of times. And I feel that, you you know, your tremendous mine of sort of information, both in terms of sort of up to the minute, what's happening yes. through the pulse surveys and, um, you know, through this trend that you can look at from both your experience and the organisations we're spreading back 10, 20 years. So, you know, there's a tremendous resource there for, yeah. for, for people to use. So sort of, you know, you know, my final question to you is, you know, what, what's the best use that an organisation, an HR manager can make of, of sort of salary data of the sort you provide? Yeah, so the best use, I mean, it's the best use is, I would say, to, you, you know, get the real data, you know, yeah. um, not hearsay, not anecdotes. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, looping back again, but yeah, it's use real data and use your policy and, um, you know, and I think you'll go far. Yeah, oh, wonderful. So a real pullback to having a policy, setting out what you're trying to achieve and, and relying on real data, not hearsay. Yeah, having the data to back it up. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Well, th this has been really interesting. Yeah, I do have had a lot of, lot of uh, great information there. And I think you've, um, uh, you know, we're able to give people, I'm, I'm sure, some, some tips and advice on, on, what, on what to do and to bring them up to date with what's happening in the New Zealand market. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, thank you, you know, very much for, for doing that. And obviously, um, for everyone that's um, listening, um, watch, watching this, uh, we really appreciate you, you doing that. Um, we hope that this uh, this series is helpful for you in navigating the challenges of 2023 uh, for sort of up to the minute uh, data. Um, clearly, Natasha and her team are, are there, able able to help. And uh, obviously, we're happy to hear from you um, at the EMA too in terms of our people experience team thinking about that more more widely. Um, so thank you, thank you all very much for listening to this episode. 